Good morning, church. It's great to see so many of you um, here in person and to those online. Good to see you as well. Hi, Auntie Jeannie. It's great to see you. And, you know, it's, it's been a while since I've seen Auntie Jeannie. And um, it's really a, a blessing to, to be able to reconnect with um, people once again. And just like Pastor Joe talked about two weeks ago, the idea of reconnecting with each other is so important. And we really want to um, encourage more of you to just come in person because you really only get a glimpse of what is happening through the online camera. So last week, we began a series on discipleship. And Jono talked about the principles of discipleship as we embark on a journey towards becoming a disciple-making church. Discipleship in the Christian context is the process of making someone become more like Christ. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Before Jesus' time, the idea of a disciple in the Old Testament was about someone who followed the life of another until the person becomes like the master. Now, if you ask a child what do they want to become when they grow up, they might, you might get a different answer every time you ask that question. It depends on many things. It depends on their feelings that day or it depends on what their interest is. For example, if they like planes like my son, they might say that they want to be a pilot or perhaps if they've watched their parents and what mom and dad do, and then they decide that they want to be like their parents. Or maybe they have watched something on TV or at the movies and they decide that they would like to emulate the occupation of the actor. At, at some point when I was growing up, I had the desire to become a lawyer. I watched TV programs on lawyers. Um, I don't know if you remember this series called LA Law, but it was a really cool um, series on lawyers and working um, in a high-profile firm, defending high-profile crimes. I thought it was a really cool profession. I read books or novels about it, and I conjured up an image of what it would be like to become a lawyer and be in the courtroom and so on. In a sense, the media glamorized the role of a lawyer or barrister. I thought to myself, wouldn't it be great to study abroad and work for a well-known firm, essentially learning from the best in the business? Well, that desire never materialized. But if we're honest, this account of my life is quite a common occurrence amongst many people. And at some point, you and I had a desire to work or study or learn from someone who is great at what they do. This morning, we're going to look at an example of a discipleship relationship in the Old Testament, that of the story of Elijah and Elisha. 
Now, although a lot is written about Elijah, we don't really know much about Elisha before his ministry started. And he's not actually mentioned in the Bible until 1 Kings 19, which is one of the Bible passages for today. So let's turn to, if you have your Bibles, 1 Kings 19, verses 19 to 21. And this is what it says. It's the call of Elisha. So, verse 19. Elijah went from there, the wilderness, um, and there found, and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done for you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate it. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Let me open in prayer and we'll get into the word together. Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege that we have to open your word and read it. I thank you that you have provided a way for us to meet with you. By sending your son to die on the cross for us, you cleared the way for us to come before you just as we are. You've made us clean and you've given us righteousness. You've made us righteous by taking on our sin. I pray that as we study your word this morning, that we will learn from the truths of Scripture today, knowing that you're meeting with us where we're at and that you're making us become more like your son each day. We ask that this morning as we open the Scriptures, you will speak to us, you will speak to our hearts, that your name will be glorified, that your word will go forth and not return void. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's begin by understanding the context and historical setting that is that Elisha is encountered in. So we have the prophet Elijah and we, we find him. He had just been victorious in a showdown with the prophets of Baal where God demonstrated his power and sovereignty in undeniable form. Um, as you recall, he sent fire down and burned up the sacrifice. Elijah then has a rush of blood and runs ahead of King Ahab all the way back to Jezreel. But then his mental state suffers a setback when Queen Jezebel hears of the slaughter of the prophets of Baal and threatens to kill Elijah. Elijah runs for his life and ends up in the wilderness where an angel ministered to him. So once he regained his strength, the Lord encourages Elijah by commanding him to anoint three people, one of which is Elisha, who would be his understudy. 
the other two were two kings. Elijah immediately leaves to find Elisha plowing in the field. And this is where we pick up the story. So in verse 19, he approaches, Elijah approaches Elisha and says, and finds him plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12 pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. And then Elijah, Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. He asked for permission to kiss his father and mother goodbye. And then, and he was given permission by Elijah. Then Elisha left him and he took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered it, and burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat. So, my first point that we can learn from Elisha is that he demonstrates total commitment to the calling. He had a calling on his life and Elijah came to anoint him. And we, we can see that he demonstrates total commitment to the calling. How do we know that? In verse 21, we read that Elisha took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Elisha appears to have come from a wealthy land-owning family. If the number of oxen they had for plowing is anything to go by, we are told that there were 12 pairs of oxen and Elisha was driving the 12th pair. So in effect, there were 24 oxen in total. Elisha was likely helping to run the family business and in all likelihood, Elisha would have heard of Elijah and his many exploits for the God of Israel, including the much publicized victory at Mount Carmel. We have heard the many miracles that were performed by Elijah and the instances where he stood up to King Ahab. Many of the aspiring prophets would have loved to come under the tutelage of the prophet Elijah. So, much like a child looking up to someone who is successful in the profession, Elisha, because he was studying in the school of prophets, was aspired to, to come under the tutelage of the prophet Elijah. When Elijah appeared at shepherd's household, the shepherd's household to anoint Elisha, he didn't ask for permission Unlike the prophet Samuel, when he anointed King David, he spoke to Jesse, the father of David. Elijah merely walks up to Elisha and throws his cloak around him. Now the cloak symbolized the mantle of the, mantle of the prophet. Once Elijah threw the cloak around Elisha, Elisha knew straight away what that meant. There was no hesitation on Elisha's part. He realized that he had been chosen and he made the choice to respond to the calling. Could he have refused the calling? No doubt he could have. No doubt he could have made excuses. Instead, 
Elisha demonstrates total commitment. No doubt he could have asked his made an excuse that he needed to ask his father's permission or his mother's permission. No, instead, he demonstrated total commitment. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and he gave it to the people and they ate. Now in those days, um, a lot of people didn't have much by way of meat to eat. And meat was a luxury in a sense. So by cooking the, the meat, it was a way of celebrating his calling. And note that he did not seek his father's permission to kill the oxen and burn the plowing equipment. But at that same time, he didn't destroy the family business either because we are told that he only kills the yoke of oxen, which is the pair of oxen that he was driving. So really, he was only killing one-twelfth of uh, the, um, uh, the number of oxen. And that leaves the family business with 11 pairs of oxen. This act of killing the oxen was a symbol and stood for his commitment to the calling. Now, I don't know what the, his parents' reaction to the, his calling was, but we're never told of their reaction. <coughs> but needless to say, he demonstrated like, total commitment because he, he prioritized his calling above the, um, the wishes of his parents. Now, that's not to say that he disrespected them, but it's just that he prioritized his calling above the wishes of his parents. As some of you know, may know, I currently coach a basketball team for one of the schools. And as I coach, I notice that there are some players who are more driven than others. They desire to learn more and they want to develop their skills more. They want to get better at the game and they are prepared to uh, attend more training sessions to become a better player. So just like Elisha, as he is studying in the School of Proph Prophecy, he wanted to learn from Elijah, who was one of the best and well-known in a sense. So that's the first point, that Elisha demonstrated total commitment to his calling. Point number two is that Elisha served faithfully. In the last part of verse 21, it says that Elisha set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Now the Bible doesn't actually mention how many years Elijah, Elisha served Elijah before he was taken up to heaven. However, Bible scholars that have studied this estimated to be around six years. But regardless of that time that Elisha served under Elijah, it really isn't relevant. The principle behind the statement is that he served faithfully. Now, he might have come taking on this mantle um, when, when he was, when Elijah threw the cloak around him, he would have been thinking, wow, this is my breakthrough. This is the big break I've been waiting for. 
um, you know, I've been studying so hard at the School of Prophecy, but now I've got this well-known mentor that has come to, um, to help me that I can learn from. Um, but what happened was that he was called to be a servant. And so whether or not he, his expectations of the role were, didn't match with what transpired, we're not told of how, what his reaction is. No doubt he might have been a bit disappointed at the fact that he has been called to be a servant, but nevertheless, he served faithfully. And Elisha would have been thinking, I hope I get to do miracles. I hope I get to see the miracles that Elijah had been performing prior to me coming on board. And so, he would have been eagerly awaiting this opportunity. <coughs> but, he was called to serve Elijah. Elijah and, we are told in verse 21, that he, from that point on, he became Elijah's servant. Now we know from Scripture that the greatest example of a servant is our Lord Jesus Christ. He was the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and yet He came not to be served, but to serve. And through that servanthood, He taught us the example of being humble and being faithful in serving. And so when Elisha was called to be a servant, he took on that same attitude. He served Elijah faithfully. And through that faithful service, he grew in experience. He grew in the knowledge of what it means to be a prophet. Um, he would have imagined going on excursions with Elijah and performing miracles alongside Elijah. But none of this is mentioned explicitly in, in the Bible. We know that he was, what do we, how do we know that he was faithful in serving Elijah? How do we know that? It was more an inference rather than explicitly written. And there are several reasons which point to this fact. Firstly, in 2 Kings 2, 1 to 10, which is the other passage that Elisha is mentioning, we read that the Lord, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in the whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. If Elisha had not been faithful in serving Elijah, the chances of this happening would be very slim. Secondly, in verse 2 of the same chapter, we read that Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to battle. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to battle. Here we get a glimpse of the dedication and the devotion that Elisha has shown towards Elijah. There is, there is unwavering support of Elijah on the part of Elisha. 
And thirdly, in verse 3 of the same chapter, we read that the company of prophets, the company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? He replied, yes, I know. So please be quiet. There's a hint of jealousy and envy from the company of prophets in their statement, as if to say, well, Elisha, your master is going to be taken from you today. What are you going to do without your master? This happened again at Jericho with another company of prophets. And this shows that Elisha was devoted and faithful in serving Elijah to the point where it was noticeable to not just one, two company of prophets. So point one is that Elisha demonstrated total commitment to his calling. And the second point is that Elisha was faithful in serving. Point number three is that Elisha desired to be like his mentor. In verse nine of Second Kings, uh, one two, Second Kings 1. After crossing the river Jordan on dry ground, Elijah turns towards his longtime servant Elisha and said, Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? This was an open invitation for Elisha to ask for whatever he wanted. It was like that invitation that God gave to Solomon in 1 Kings 3, Verse 5, of which Solomon was offered riches, power, fame, women, but he asked for wisdom. This great in invitation was given after Elisha had demonstrated his loyalty and commitment by refusing to leave his mentor. What did Elisha ask for? Like Solomon, he didn't ask for riches or power or fame. Instead, Elisha's response was, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elisha replied, Elisha saw how greatly the spirit of God was working through Elijah, and he wanted the same for himself. He desired to be like his mentor, Elijah. What does it mean when you ask for a double portion of something? Does it mean that we're asking for double the amount? Some commentators say that the idea of a double portion was not to ask for twice as much as Elijah had, but to ask for the portion that went to the firstborn son. So in that sense, Elijah had a relationship with Elijah that resembled a father and son relationship. It signifies a close relationship between two people. It also, it also implies that the recipient is highly favored. Another clear example of, of this is in Genesis. We see when Joseph's brothers were pre preparing to meet Joseph in Genesis 43:34, they were preparing to dine with him. And so in verse 34, it says, when portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. So 
This indicated the closeness of Joseph and Benjamin. So in asking for a double portion of Elijah's spirit, Elisha was really asking to have what Elijah had. He wanted to be like Elijah. And this is a person that he has walked with and served alongside for many years of his life. I can imagine that Elijah would have invested into the life of his servant Elisha and shared with him his struggles, his goals, his desires. So, and through all this, Elisha recognized that Elijah um, was, that God was indeed with Elijah. And he wanted that for himself. So, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I look at someone else that, and I, I truly want to be like that person, but how much more are we prepared to, how, how, how much more are we prepared to go the distance in order to become more like that person? I think of, the example of Jesus and how he was washing the disciples' feet um, in that great act of servanthood. And the apostle Peter said to him, please don't wash my feet. And Jesus said, if you don't wash me, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. And then apostle Peter said, well then, wash everything of me. And Jesus said, well, if someone has had a bath, they only need to have their feet washed. But this clearly demonstrates that in order that Peter was willing to go that distance in order be to become a part of Jesus' uh, following. And so as we look at the context of our own, at our own context of making disciples, are we seeking God for his guidance as we think about discipling someone? Perhaps it's a new believer that we met through work. Or could it be someone in our grace group that we should get to know better? As Joe shared two weeks ago, God has taken the initiative to reconnect with us, his people, by sending Christ to die for us on the cross. He has made it possible for us to connect with him in the same way, we have the means and opportunity to connect with others who are like-minded. The avenues are there for us to invest into a brother or sister and to be invested into. We have the privilege to do so. The question is, how far are we willing to go to invest into someone and to be invested into? How far are we willing to go to become more like the person we look up to. Going back to the definition of discipleship, discipleship is about making people become more like Christ. And so, if we are making disciples, we ourselves should aim to become more like Christ. Are we willing to set aside time and energy to be committed to discipling a brother or a sister? Or would we rather focus on 
earthly possessions that have no eternal reward. That is what we are faced with. And much like King Solomon or the prophet Elisha when faced with the question, God is asking of us this day, what would you like me to do for you? Will we be like Elisha and ask for a double portion of his spirit? Or would we be tempted by what the world has to offer? In Mark 7, Matthew 7, verse 7, it says, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And James, but let us ask with the right motives. Because we do not, do not want to be like um, the people that James talks about in James 4 that we don't receive because we ask with the wrong motives. So just to recap on the three lessons we've learned from Elisha is that he demonstrated total commitment to his calling. What is the calling that you are receiving today from God? Is God calling you to disciple someone? Is God calling you to be discipled? Will you demonstrate a total commitment to that calling? Or will, it, will you be making disciples or discipling someone half-heartedly? I'm speaking to myself as well. And will we be faithful in discipling someone? Will we go the distance? Will we persevere when discipling someone? And finally, do we desire to become more like Christ? Are we constantly checking ourselves to find that we desire to become more like Christ? And the person that is investing into us, are we aiming to become more like that person? So as we uh, think about these things, just as we aim to become a disciple-making church, it's important that we all um, take stock of what, where we are at and what our desires are and how we can persevere in making disciples so that together we can all achieve the goal of becoming a disciple-making church. So let's pray as we ponder on these things. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the example of your servant Elisha, who was faithful to his calling. We are thankful for the fact that he demonstrated total commitment and that he chose to pursue godly things rather than earthly pursuits. We are thankful for this incredible privilege we have of partnering with you in making disciples for every nation. Thank you for the brothers and sisters you have placed in our lives. And may you guide us as we consider prayerfully who we can invest time and energy into. We are struggling with 
conflicting desires. I pray that you will change our hearts and help us to desire the things that you desire. Help us to be obedient and faithful to what you have called us to do. Because we, you have given us the privilege of partnering with you in this great commission. As we go forth into the new week, Lord, we ask that you help us to be reminded of the grace and mercy and compassion you have shown us. By sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for us, you made a way possible for us to be part of your family. Help us to be bold and to be outward looking as we go forth into the world. That the people we come across will see the influence that Jesus has on our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.